Well, I want to welcome everyone to what's known in the church world as Advent. We are entering into the Advent season of our faith. And you may be asking the question, well, where did Advent come from? How did this all take place? If we look back in our historical roots of our faith, we don't know exactly when this idea of Advent or the lighting of Advent candles actually took place. But it's an idea of a season that actually fits our faith calendar very well. See, right before Easter, Resurrection Sunday, there's a season of our faith that we enter into known as Lent. It's 40 days to Easter, Resurrection Sunday, that we remember in our faith the life, the death, the burial and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when it came to the birth of Jesus, it would make sense to create a season leading into the birth of Jesus Christ, what you and I celebrate December 25th, Christmas. And so there are four Sundays in our calendar that lead us perfectly into the Christmas season, leading us into the celebration of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, some historians looked back and tried to figure out this idea of Advent, when did it arise? When did this candle lighting thing happen? And to the best records we have, the idea of Advent came in AD 380 at the Council of Saragossa, which was in Spain when church leadership met in Spain. And they met there with really one purpose in mind, to disrupt the heresy that was creeping into our faith. Most of our councils met because heresy was arising within, and they wanted to squash out heresy, things that are not of scripture or of, of God, but are beginning to creep in. And it was there that we have documents that the Christian leaders put together, this idea of celebrating Advent, the four Sundays leading into Christmas. It was at this council that we have the very first documents. Many centuries later, in AD 1839, in the country of Germany, there was a Lutheran minister that ministered to the orphanages. He ministered to orphan children. And what he did after Thanksgiving was he took an old wheel and put garland on it. And created a wreath out of, the gar out of the wheel. He put 20 white candles in that wreath. And four red candles. And with the children, what this Lutheran minister would do is with the children leading up to Christmas, he would light one white candle every day. Hence the 20. But on Sunday, he would light a red candle with the kids. The 24 days leading into Christmas. And that was the birth of the idea of what is known as the Advent wreath or the lighting of the Advent candles. 
We have now in our faith have boiled it down to just four because we meet on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons, whenever. But one day a week we meet together and it boiled down to just four. Throughout this season, as we lead into Christmas, we are entering into Advent where you will see different things, moments of pondering Moments of lighting a candle, scripture reading, and just reading as the candle is being lit. Each candle is very symbolic. It represents something. And you'll be hearing about that throughout the weeks to come. But one thing we're reminded when the candle is lit is the gospel writer John says this about the birth narrative of Jesus. Talks about the beginning. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Referring to Jesus. John chapter one, verses four through five say this about Jesus. In him, referring to Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And as the candle is lit each and every week, we are reminded that Jesus is the light. And even a little light pierces the darkness. And now you and I are called to be that same light that Jesus was. Because the world that you and I live in is sinful and broken. And this world needs hope. And hope can only be found in Jesus, our Savior. So as we sit back and we hear things and engage with things, be reminded, the light did come. And now you are to be a light to this world. So today on this uh, first Sunday of Advent season, we are lighting the candle of hope. Hope, as the world has defined it, is wishful thinking. Christian hope is something completely different. Our hope is a confidence that something will come to pass because God has promised it will come to pass. We as Christians, followers, and disciples of Jesus have a special relationship with hope. Um, It's easy to put our hope in people, in friends, in family, in things of this world, um, our money, our finances, jobs, whatever it is. Um, But those things, they'll pass. They'll fade away. Uh, People will let us down because we live in a broken world. But Jesus is our hope. He is our constant presence. We have his Holy Spirit living inside of us, walking with us through every step of the day. It doesn't matter what we face, um, the chaos that's going on around us, God is with us. And that's where our hope is. Our hope is not in our own efforts to take control of a situation and try and make it work out for our benefit, um, but just to give it over to God, to release it into his hands and know that he's working in every situation and he will work all of it out for his glory and for our good. And even when the world looks like it's failing around us, and it seems really dark. Our hope is that we have the hope of an eternal life with Jesus in heaven. So no matter what's going on around us, Jesus 
we get to spend eternity with him. And his Holy Spirit is living with us and walking with us every step and every moment of every day. So for centuries, Old Testament prophets declared the future hope of the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus. Old Testament prophets said that the Messiah would right all the wrongs in the world and bring true and lasting peace. Oh, how they hoped for him. And Jesus did bring peace. All who believe in his death and resurrection have the hope of everlasting life. But Jesus gave even more hope than this. He also promised that after he was with his Father in heaven a while, he would return to earth again and make all things new. All tears would be wiped away, all pain would be gone, all sin would be removed from the earth. Those who believe in Jesus have hope that through every trouble and tribulation of life, ahead of us is an eternity in the presence of Jesus, and we will partake in the new heaven and new earth he will bring forth. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let us pray. Lord, as we enter the Advent season, we hold intention to realities, heartbreak and hope. We have seen the harshness of sin and evil, and it is too close for comfort. Yet we also believe that you are close. We know that you are close and we feel your presence. We remember that you have not left us alone. You sent us our Savior, Jesus. His first coming to earth made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins and made right before you. And we await his second coming when he will renew the earth and put an end to all sin and suffering. Yes, we see brokenness all around us, but one day we will see only blessedness. Help us fix our eyes on you this Advent season. Let our tired and weary souls find rest in you as we wait in hope. Amen. The Advent season. The word Advent that you and I may be familiar with comes from the Latin word eventus, which means coming. It's the idea in this season of four weeks leading into Christmas that we are waiting for the coming Messiah with holy anticipation. And for the nation of Israel, they waited. They waited for their Messiah. And Jesus, oh, he did come. But we also wait for his second coming, which is to come at some point. Today, we lit the first Advent candle. This candle is known as the prophet's candle. In the Old Testament, you had prophets that were mouthpieces, if you will, for God, that spoke to the people on God's behalf. In the Old Testament, conservatively estimated, there are over 300 messianic prophecies pointing to a Messiah, a Savior that will come. With some of these prophecies, I can't list all 300 plus, but here's a few of this anticipation of this coming of the Messiah, this idea that God will send hope. Here are just a few. 
This coming Messiah was prophesied to be born to a virgin mother. To be born in Bethlehem, spend time in Egypt, would come from the house of David, from the lineage of David, the throne of King David, the Messiah would come. Not only that, but this, this Messiah would start his ministry in the region of Galilee. He would be referred to as the Son of Man. And not only that, to name a few, this Messiah would be holy, a rock that would make people stumble and fall because they did not believe in him. And oh, for centuries, the nation of Israel has waited and waited and waited. When will these come true? These people gathered as they multiplied in the ancient world in a country of Egypt. There they were not free, but slaves. They began to gather more and more amounts of people. They began to multiply and fill the earth. One issue, they were under the oppression of Pharaoh. They were slaves. And throughout the centuries, 400 years of being slaves, God rose, read, chose a man as known as Moses, to rise up and lead his people out of this place. And eventually to try to make it into the promised land. And for 400 years, finally, Moses is on the seed and he leads his people out of Egypt, out under the oppression of Pharaoh. And now for the next 40 years, they will wander in the desert, in the wilderness. And God had to teach them something. He had to get Egypt out of them, out of his people, so he can put them at the crossroads of the entire ancient world and be representatives of who God is, Yahweh. But he had to get the 400 years of Egypt, their, their culture, their pagan practices out of his people. And it was there that Moses goes up to a mountain called Mount Sinai. And he gets the word from God, the Ten Commandments and the law of how to be a holy nation. And in it, God reveals who he is to them. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Then God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And they knew God as a God of freedom. And for the next 40 years, they would wander in the desert as God was doing a work on their heart. Start to look like me. And don't worry, I will send the Messiah. He will come and he will take all the brokenness in this world and make it right. The problem, the Hebrew people waited. Centuries go by and they're waiting and they're waiting. And where is this Messiah? Where is this hope? And they cling to the word of the prophet Isaiah because for the next several centuries, as they make it into the promised land, foreign nations will conquer them and oppress the, God's people. 
Eventually, two nations will rise up, two empires in the ancient world, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and they would exile God's people out of the promised land. And they clung to these words that the prophet Isaiah said about the coming Messiah. He says this, this coming Messiah will heal the brokenhearted. He will come to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. And they hung to that promise. When, God, when is he coming? Because we are captive right now to foreign oppressors. When will this come? I wonder in the waiting, did they lose hope? The delight of hope actually was no longer even a flame. Because they waited and waited and waited. When, God, will you send this Messiah? And you know what? For you and I, we don't like waiting. There is nothing sometimes enjoyable about waiting. And you know why we don't like waiting? Because in the waiting, there's tension. And here's what the tension is for us. It's the tension between we long for what will be while wrestling with the discomfort of the present. And we don't like that tension. And it's in the waiting. And sometimes in the waiting, the flame of hope goes out. And we're wondering, really God, how long? How long? Let me ask you a question this morning that I want us just to sit quiet and still in. Is there something you're currently wrestling with and waiting for? And you're in that season And you're asking the question, when, God? When? Just sit in that question. And even in that waiting, cause discomfort for you. And the people of Israel waited and waited for centuries. When will the one to set us free come? No, God's timing is perfect. See, what also we wrestle with is our timing and his timing. We love our time frame. But do you bow your knee to his time frame? And God is going to answer their question in a powerful way. Matthew chapter 1. And finally, is this the hope? The hope we've been waiting for. Is this true that the Messiah now will be on the scene, but maybe not quite the way we thought the entrance of the Messiah would come? We never thought through a manger. Is this it? Is this what we've been waiting for? 
as the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. The wait is over. He now has come. And the light of hope finally came. Emmanuel, God with us. He came. He came. And there's a beauty about the light. Is that when you and I and we walk this thing called life, we hit bumps in the road. We hit valley moments. But the light is still there. The light is still there. And here's the thing about hope in Jesus. That our hope through all of life is who, friends? Is Jesus. Hope came. Hope came. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Seven years ago, when I was in Israel, we had a guide with us, an Israeli. He was a Jew. And uh, on a Sunday when we were, or a Saturday, which was the Jewish Sabbath, he, he leaves our group. And he travels home, wherever home is in Israel, wherever we are, he will travel back home to celebrate Sabbath with his family. Then he'll catch us the next day. And he came back and I was having a conversation with him because he was a wonderful man. He knew a ton about, you know, the history of Israel and just the history of our faith. And he says, you know, here's the difference between you Christians and us Jews. He says, we worship the same God. We worship Yahweh. You guys feel like you found the Messiah. You found your hope. You believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he says, we view Jesus as a prophet and we're still waiting for the Messiah. And my heart sank. I say, missed him. This Advent season, May you not miss Jesus because he is our hope. He is the only hope in this world. And maybe for you, you just need that flame. You need that relationship with Jesus Christ. Come down during our prayer at the end of close and meet with our prayer partners. They will love to lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But for others... Maybe the light of Jesus in our life is dimmer than that flame. May this Advent season be more fuel on that flame so you will burn brightly for Jesus. But until that, no matter what we face in life, no matter what life has for us, we fix our eyes on Jesus and heavenly things. We do not fix our eyes on earthly things. And Jesus will come again. There will be the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Until then, 
until that, whether we get to see it or God already calls us home to him, we wait. We wait with our eyes fixed on the hope of the world, Jesus. And we trust in Jesus. We don't trust in man. We don't trust in ourselves. But it's a full surrender of trusting the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. And we hope with a holy anticipation that one day we will go from brokenness to blessedness and spend all eternity with him who loves us, who created us. It says, look, I made it all right. I've redeemed it all and I've restored everything back to its proper order. And the beauty is until then, And as Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, until then, you have the Holy Spirit guiding you in this life, helping you conform more and more into the image of our Savior Jesus. For yes, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. But he says, I see you. I didn't leave you presence is on you and in you and working through you but we wait we wait if you don't mind we just close your eyes for a moment just close your eyes and maybe for some of you you're I get it you're in this long waiting season and you feel like I'm just done with waiting these words I will never leave you nor forsake you rest in that and maybe for more of you some of you you're like Ryan I, Pastor Ryan you're right I, I want more I'm just waiting for more of Holy Spirit in my life because I need more of him I'm tired of doing it on my own I need more of the helper, the comforter in my life to live a life of Jesus. Maybe for you in this moment, you just got to say, Holy Spirit, I I want more. I'm surrendering to more of you. And we wait and hope and cry out, Holy Spirit, we need more.